Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. It is uh, disappointing, I guess, to you know learn the uh, seems to be an increasing number of people, um, particularly in Western countries, um, just reject the the notion of a of a creator God. Um, I'm sure many of these people think, well, maybe there's something out there, but they don't consider that there is a creator God and therefore we have a, a moral responsibility um, to a creator that if there is a creator God that he had a has a plan for us, that there are specific moral values that or, or that we should live to. There are specific things that we should do. And, of course, from a, a Christian perspective, those things are, are summarised in the, the Ten Commandments uh, that talks about not worshipping um, another god, having no other, no other gods in our life, that there's just the one uh, creator god to uh, not make, uh, try and make images of that God and bow and worship them or uh, take the Lord's name in vain. And in particular, to remember the seventh day, um, every seventh day, um, which according to the Jewish records occurs with our uh, Saturday, uh, to remember that God created us, that we were made by God this creator God. Um, and then it goes on with uh, other uh, laws to respect and honour our parents and um, you know, not to uh, commit adultery, that marriage is, is special and, and sanctified between a man and a woman, and um, you know, not to kill or steal or lie or, or covet. So these are, are, are you know, a basic... Uh, laws there, and of course, when Jesus came uh, and lived among us, as um, and the records say that God Himself, the Creator, uh, came in human form and lived uh, among us uh, to actually teach us. And of course, Jesus' teachings were essentially to to love God. Um, and to love our fellow man. No, in other words, care for our fellow man, look after our, our fellow man, our neighbour, and, and seek to do things that are, that are good, that are going to be a blessing and positive. Now, of course, a lot of people don't uh, accept that Jesus was God. Perhaps some people find it um, hard. The Bible talks about that Jesus came in human flesh, well, in the likeness of human flesh, actually. Um, and um, we know that Jesus died, was put to death by people. But it's amazing his, his teachings. And, of course, the Bible accounts uh, records the account of many witnesses that... Um, saw supernatural events take place. They saw the healing of people uh, from diseases such as leprosy. Um, uh, they saw cripples healed. They saw blind people receive their sight. And they even saw dead people raised to life. And, 
and particularly the account of Lazarus that had been dead for several days. And, of course, people back in those days were, you know, very familiar with death because it occurred just there at what... you know, just in their in their homes and uh, and and around them, it wasn't so insulated in in hospitals and so forth as it is today, in many places. Um, and so they uh, were quite familiar and and with the the situation and uh, with Lazarus being raised three days after he had been buried, and so or in the um, put in the in the tomb in the cave. So there were a lot of examples here and a lot of evidence was recorded and people wrote about what had occurred. And, of course, this led to the power of, of Christianity um, in spreading the news that, yeah, Jesus himself, even though he'd been killed on the cross by you know, Roman soldiers who were very professional at killing people, um, not only had been you know, whipped extensively beforehand, uh, but nailed to the cross and then speared, um, and um, and yet um, the people saw him raised from the dead. His wounds had been healed, but the scars were still there. And there were many, many witnesses to that. And that, of course, became the reason why Christianity spread, because people saw these effects. People who had seen these effects wrote about them. They told others. They were. Um, they realised it was so real. And then, of course, there were the many miracles followed with the early Christian workers uh, and uh, missionaries that that went out at that particular time. So there's this overwhelming evidence for the existence of God, for the existence of the supernatural, but. Um, within our education system, particularly in Western countries, we have um, diminished the exposure, uh, particularly in the secular schools, to the Bible. People, um, I, I guess the curriculum has expanded to allow for all the modern technology and modern history um, that people have become less familiar with this this history. And secondly, there's been the challenges. There's been the challenges to the archaeological evidence um, for the Bible. There's been challenges to the different historical accounts and so forth. But when we look at the overall balance, as I said, when we re-examine in, some, in the, many of the previous talks, when we look at the archaeological evidence, there's so much evidence that the Bible is a very accurate account. We have, you know, great scientists of the past like Newton and so forth um, spent more time, you know, studying the Bible, um, or in Newton's case, um, and wrote, uh, than you know, in science and wrote commentaries on the books Daniel and Revelation. Now, in particular, these books talk about prophecies. They talk about the future, particularly the book of Daniel, and of course it uh, accurately outlined the the history of the world, particularly the history of Europe up till the present time um, with the last account saying that the countries of Europe would never be united and and Christ would return, God would return during um, the time when uh, Europe was still a, a multitude of independent states 
Of course, that's, you know, preserved to this day. People have attempted to unite Europe, but not completely. And that's exactly what the Bible described, that there'd be attempts, attempts through marriage, all sorts of ways, but it would never, you know, hold together. So it's very interesting, these concepts of, of, of prophecies. Now, just recently, I was reading an article on Wikipedia about free will. And this is a, a very interesting article that some uh, listeners may be interested in reading. Um, it's you know highly technical, uses a lot of philosophical definitions and so forth. But one of the interesting things that they talk about um, is this whole concept of fate or destiny that is part of the one of the aspects of, of considering free will. And particularly destiny. So destiny sort of allows for free will um, to a certain degree, uh, but in the end there is a there's a plan. And in my view, that sort of fits um, the the Bible scenario. Now, again, um, you know, many people, um, you know, particularly you know, professional people and scientists are, are rejecting this whole concept of of God and the supernatural and they don't want young people taught about the overwhelming evidence for uh, creation that we see in the, um, particularly in the biological aspects of uh, living systems, the amazing biochemistry and and codes that exist there, um, which is all pointing to this amazing, super-intelligent mind. And, of course, we have this major problem of um, evolutionary processes working on through chemical mutations. Our consciousness, our mind, it's non-material. Our thoughts are non-material. They're not, um, um, you know, sort of they're separate from the atoms and molecules and chemical reactions associated with mutations. Uh, It seems that our mind, our thoughts, can affect um, chemical reactions. They can affect um, electrical voltages. So it works that way, but it doesn't seem to work uh, the other way. And one of the reasons is, of course, our the whole concept of free will. And that's why this argument in, uh, we, and, uh, on Wikipedia titled Free Will is, is very interesting because it looks at a whole range of philosophical arguments associated with the free will issue and the free will arguments that philosophers have. And, of course, there's no definitive answer to this. But I think one of the things that we can explain and, uh, and, and look at is that today people still experience, we experience dreams, we experience premonitions. And I think there's overwhelming evidence that these um, dreams and premonitions are examples of supernatural interactions with us. So one of the, the whole concepts, if we look at destiny, is this whole concept that there is a creator God who has a definite plan for the universe, for this world, for for life on this world. And that is outlined in the Bible. The Bible sets out the prophecies that one day Jesus will return, God will return, and he will bring judgment on the earth, on the people um, who have uh, you know, not accepted God's offer of salvation, um, of redemption, um, 
and have continued to do wrong things um, against their fellow man, against the environment and so forth, God is going to bring judgment on those people. And that's why the gospel message that Jesus was God, that is, he's um, died in our place so that we don't have to die so God can forgive us, um, because God predicted that if man sins, that he will die. But God didn't really want us to die. So he, after we had made that mistake, he offered that way out. And that's why Christianity offers such a fantastic message to the world. And again, there were the prophecies associated with that. And God explains that one of the reasons why we can believe that God is God is that he has set out certain things that will occur in the future. And a number of those, as I referred to earlier, are mentioned in the book of Daniel. But there are many other prophecies in, in the Bible as well. And these can be you know, looked up on the internet or a, a book on Bible prophecies. Now, one of the other things that the Bible talks about is the role of dreams. So, for example, it talks about in the Old Testament, Joseph having a dream that one day his family would you know, bow down to him. He interpreted a dream, a very vivid dream, that one of his fellow prisoners had uh, that pointed to the fact that there would be seven years of plenty of bountiful harvest followed by seven years of very severe drought. And um, as a result of that dream, um, Joseph, um, who was able to um, uh, convince the Pharaoh to store up grain and you know food supplies for the drought years, which they did. And so that you know all came to pass. We also you know have other dreams where um, Joseph, um, the, the husband of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, received a, a dream and an angel uh, you know warning them to, uh, to flee as soon as the child was born. Um, and the, which they did. And, of course, then Herod, when he found out that um, a, a new king had been born or the uh, spiritual king of Israel had been born, uh, he ordered the, the killing of all the children under two years of age. And so Joseph had been warned in a, in a dream to, um, to escape and to avoid that. And, of course, when we look at the secular accounts as well, there are um, many accounts. I'm, I think it's um, uh, um, uh, Josephus that um, writes, or one of the ancient historians writes about how Julius Caesar's wife had a dream warning him not to go uh, to the forum uh, the morning that he was, he was killed. And it's interesting, I guess, as I've I've talked to you know many of my friends, they've had you know strong um, sort of premonitions of various things at times. I I had one uh, quite recently. Um, one of my uh, children, uh, one of my uh, sons, was uh, invited to a friend's fortieth uh, birthday party, and uh, so he was going, getting uh, ready to. To go, and I had this really, really strong uh, premonition of just concern, and uh, so I, I spoke to my son about it, and he, he was travelling for a way, and he'd be travelling at night, and uh, 
So I, I, I felt so concerned I sent him a special text. And I didn't know. I thought maybe maybe something would go wrong at the party or something like that. But um, he sent back and assured me that um, he, he was you know, driving very carefully. Uh, he was resting every two hours. Um, at the time he'd received my safety, he just stopped for a meal. But then later, uh, I got the, a, a message the next day that that night um, he'd been um, in an accident. Uh, but, you know, praise the Lord, he, he wasn't injured. And what had happened was a, a car had broken down on the highway um, in the fast lane uh, and uh, had been left in the fast lane on a dark night. It was late at night, no moon. A black car and the lights hadn't been left on and had been left parked in the fast lane on the freeway. And people had stopped and had their lights on on the side of the road and uh, my son had seen the the people on the side of the road and then as he'd um, deviated to give room, um, because he'd been travelling in the slow lane, um, to... Um, uh, so that he was a distance away from the people standing on the side of the road, hadn't seen this car without lights on and and uh, had um, crashed into the side of it. But, so I said, this, this car's repaired. Now, but it's interesting, I had this really strong premonition of concern and there are many, many examples of that. You know, there are many accounts prior to the Titanic disaster of people really concerned and writing to their relatives about their concern about the trip. Matter of fact, there was a book written called The Wreck of the Titan, which more or less described the same scenario happening that a ship would strike an iceberg and sink. And yet this, up until that time, was you know, an almost unheard of uh, event. And... Um, so, uh, and the book, The Wreck of the Titan, was published just before, uh, about 10, 10 or 15 years before the Titanic sank. The Aberfan mine disaster in Wales years ago was another one where children came home and told their parents not to worry that they would soon be with Jesus. Um, and, of course, a large number of children were killed um, in that um, uh, mine slip that buried the, uh, the school in the town. Because one of the things that fascinates me is sort of some of the dreams that have changed the, the course of uh, history. For example, um, uh, the Indian lawyer, uh, Mohandas uh, Gandhi, um, had been seeking ways to free people from the uh, colonial subjugation of the of the British in India at that time, uh, back in 1919, they actually introduced the um, uh, the Rowlett Act, uh, the British government, um, which was a way of imprisoning people uh, or suspected of sedition without a trial. And so it's interesting that. Uh, Gandhi had had just was thinking, how can he help his people be free from um, from this? And um, he had a dream, and in that dream, um, he had the the thought to 
get the people of India to suspend their business activities to 24 hours and devote time to fasting and prayer. And the resulting non-violent mass strikes of 1919, which he organised, became a major turning point in India's efforts to achieve self-determination. It's interesting too, Emperor Constantine I had a, um, had a very interesting dream uh, when he was going out to do battle with Man, uh, Maxentius. And um, he um, had a vision that he was to put a cross on the, on the shields, on the soldiers' shields. And um, he was... Uh, uh, Maxentius was subsequently defeated in quite a uh, remarkable manner at the famous battle at uh, Milvian Bridge. And um, it's uh, I- interesting that um, these, uh, these visions were actually told to by Constantine to Eusebius, uh, who was a, a priest at the time. And Constantine became a, a converted man at that time, became a very strong uh, Christian. And during the last 10 years of his reign, he became increasingly pious and devoted more and more time to reading and studying the the scriptures, the Christian scriptures, listening to sermons, and even um, uh, delivering, you know, uh, talks um, um, in church. And um, it's interesting that the, the effect of that vision uh, had on him, and of course, it led to the establishment of the what then became the Holy Roman Empire, and the establishment of Christianity as the official religion uh, back then. It's interesting. Even the uh, philosopher Descartes um, had a um, uh, an interesting um, dream. He had a number of dreams, and he he puzzled over their interpretation and. As a result of one of the dreams, he developed the whole concept of, of combining Euclidean geometry and algebra, which became the Cartesian coordinates that we use today in, um, in graphs. It's interesting too, the um, Indian mathematician Srinisvaya Ramanujan uh, who did a lot of advances uh, to uh, number theory in the early 1900s, um, in a biographical article published in Scientific American back in 1948, um, he talked about um, how in his dreams he saw mathematical formula and he would get up and write these down after waking. And um, these were uh, later... Um, Godfrey H. Hardy at Trinity College in Cambridge University, who was one of the world's leading mathematicians at the time, um, uh, spent quite a bit of time and subsequently verified these equations that had been uh, given to Ramamajan uh, at that time. Uh, And some of these examples, of course, were recorded in Paul Davies' book, um, uh, The Mind of God, and I think we have, um, you know, another one, of course, was uh, Dmitry uh, Mendeleev, uh, who is professor of chemistry at the Institute of St. Petersburg in Russia, who 
Uh, and he later wrote that he saw in a dream a table where all the elements fell into places required, awakening. He wrote, uh, immediately wrote it down on a piece of paper and, of course, that became the periodic table that we use. Um, uh, the German um, chemist uh, Kekuli, again, um, uh, who was uh, responsible for the structure, understanding the structure of organic molecules, uh, again, um, uh, worked out the structure of benzene as a result of seeing the solution in a dream. So, um, and another case, of course, is uh, um, back in 1921 when Frederick Banting was carrying out research on the cause of diabetes at the University of Toronto. He uh, records that he awakened from sleep one night and wrote down um, the sentences which he'd seen in a, in a dream. And he's impressed to uh, take a, the pancreas of a dog and tie it up and wait till the glands shrivel up, then cut it, wash it out, filter the precipitation. And this res resulted in successfully isolating the hormone now known as insulin. And so when we, uh, and I also think of the um, uh, f uh, famous um, uh, IT um, um, information technologist, Professor Dr. Werner Gitt, who uh, writes his story in uh, the book I published, The God Factor, uh, 50 scientists and academics explain why they choose to be believe in God. Um, Professor Gitt writes that his father was um, uh, captured, who was a German soldier, captured as a prisoner of war um, in the Second World War, and after the war, he had no idea where his family were. And they, the family had lived in East Germany, and so most of them had uh, been taken captive and taken into Russia. Uh, but Werner, who was a young boy, very young boy, um, and some cousins were able to successfully escape before the Russians arrived. Uh, but uh, Werner's father had no idea where his son had been taken. And in a dream... Uh, well, after when the war ended, the uh, prisoners were encouraged to write to their families, but he had no idea where to write. And then he had this dream where uh, an, an uncle said to him, uh, said to the father, you, you must come and visit us. And the father in the dream spoke to him, said, well, I don't know where you live. And in his dream, he was given this address. And he subsequently wrote to that address, which was in Denmark, and that's where his son Werner had been taken. And they were the, Werner was the only member of his family that he was able to be reunited with and it's understood the other members had probably died. And so the, to me this is clear indication for the existence of a supernatural mind that interacts with us just like the, um, the dreams that influenced um, uh, Joseph, who was married to Mary, that influenced Joseph in Egypt, and the many other dreams that are recorded in the Bible, the dreams that King Nebuchadnezzar had that were interpreted by Daniel. These all point to the existence of this supernatural God that the Bible describes, the Creator God. And so it behoves us really to, to learn more about him 
and to recognise that, yep, he does have a plan for our lives and one day he will be returning and there will be a judgement. But he's a loving God and wants us to come to him and accept him as our saviour. You've been listening to Faith and Science. And remember, if you want to re-listen to these programs, um, just Google 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the radio button and the listen button and you'll see the Faith and Science program there. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 